Well, I'm glad you're here on race day. Uh, this is my this is my core right here. This is my faithful. They just don't care about cars. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I know, Kevin. You do. I give it, you're my one. Uh, but we're, I'm glad you're here because th- this passage in Hebrews chapter four, which is where we are, we pick up uh, from a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's probably one of the most crucial passages that you, as a believer, those of you that believe that Jesus is the Son of God, died for your sins, um, for those of you that are believers, this is, this is huge. I didn't understand this the first part of my life. I used to say most of my life, but I'm, I'm getting to the point now where uh, I'm thankful that it's more than half my life. Uh, but I just don't think that there's many churches, many Christians, many teachers that teach Sabbath rest, what Sabbath rest is. And so uh, it's important that you're here today. I, I go back, I said in a text and Facebook post this morning about the April 30th message when we talked about uh, the comparison of physical rest with spiritual rest, about the three different types of rest. There was a redemption rest where God redeemed the Israelites by setting them free from the, the captivity of the Egyptians, that they were redeemed from that. And he had promised for them to go into the promised land, yet they didn't go into the promised land and never got to experience a Canaan rest. That's not a redemption rest and Canaan rest are not biblical terms. Those are just terms that we've attached to these types of rest. But they never got to experience that. And then there's this third rest called the the Sabbath rest. And that's the ability just to walk with the Creator. The Creator. The one that created you. The one that created this earth. Uh, that allows us to go 230 miles an hour on a racetrack, the Creator, just to have intimate relationship with Him. And you you think about, uh, we have the ability to do that today, those who were believers after the cross versus those who were believers before the cross. We have this spirit inside of us that allows us to do that, that allows us in the most difficult of circumstances, to just rest, rest from our own abilities, rest from our own trying, rest from our own doing. But it was always available to them in the Old Testament. You think about Saul. Saul was the, the one who, when Goliath came into the, the land, is like Saul, in his mind, he basically said, how could I how could I hit him? How could I take him down? I can't do that. But here's a young shepherd boy, David. He's like, How can I miss? God's on my side. Like he 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 was resting in the Lord. This isn't about me picking five smooth stones and one of them gonna kill Goliath. This is about the Lord doing it, and he's gonna use me as a kid to kill Goliath. So even in the Old Testament they had the ability to rest, yet they 
hardly ever got to do that. I pick up with what David said in Psalm 95. He said this, he said, Come, let's shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let's enter into his presence with thanksgiving. Let's shout triumphantly to him in song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. The depths of the earth are in his hand and the mountain peaks are his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands formed the dry land. Come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. David is literally saying, we can rejoice with the Creator. Look at what he's done. And if you go back to what the Israelites did when they got set free from the Egyptians and they were promised the land of Canaan, they never got in there. We'll get more into that story here in just a second. But God's like, you guys never ever trusted me. There was a sense of unbelief, a sense of disobedience. And David's like saying, if you can get past the disobedience, if you can get past the, the unbelief, if you can get to trust, l- look, we can praise the Lord, we can give thanksgiving, we can do all these things because he's a great, great God. That's what David was saying. We pick up in Hebrews chapter 4, it says in verse 1, Therefore... Remember, he's gone back to chapters 1, 2, and 3, and he says, Jesus is greater than angels. He's greater than Moses. Jesus is the high priest. He says, therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us be aware that none of you be found to have fallen short. It says, let us fear to be fearfully anxious fear the wrath of god all right not for salvation this is not about salvation this is about the abundant life having having to be able beyond salvation live this daily life like The rest of the churches around here, they all teach salvation. They teach Jesus is the Son of God, and people come to make decisions and believe and get that. And they talk about discipleship. We talk about discipleship. But there's something greater than that, that whole programming thing. It's about understanding who you are in Christ. And that there, this is... I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is like uh, the charismatic capital of the world. Oral Roberts University, and so they did all of this, uh, trying to say it (laughs) without, but it was very extreme, and I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, so we just didn't talk about the Holy Spirit in Tulsa, and probably in a lot of churches. You didn't talk about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is like, oof. But, my, my goodness, this, this, this is what it's all about. This is about you knowing that there's a holy 
God, a Holy Spirit living inside of you. And if you if you can't get to that point, then you are doing it in your own strength and you're just going to fail over and over and over and over again. But there's a holy God that has taken up residence in my body and allows me to do things that I never imagined doing. It says in verse 2, For we also have received the good news, just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. I hear it on the radio all the time. That's why I have a hard time listening to the radio, especially like stations like K-Love, stuff like that. But they'll say, hey, Easter is such a special time to tell people about the good news. (laughs) I think every day is a special time to tell people about the good news. I don't have to wait for Christmas. I don't have to wait for Easter. It's just good news. It if you get to this, if you get to this, otherwise, it's like, yeah, you can have salvation, but then you have to do all these things, and you can't do these things, and everybody's like, I don't want part of that. It's not what it's about. So watch, it says, for we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest, even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. Oh, I'll get into that last part here in a second. But let me jump to Numbers chapter 13 and tell you what happened. When they got freed from the Egyptians, they were set free and they traveled through the Red Sea, part of the Red Sea and all that, promised to go into the land of Canaan. They actually sent spies ahead to see how they were going to move into this land that was promised to them. And here's what it says in Numbers. They reported, they came back, the spies came back. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. Like, literally, this is great news. What God has promised us, we get this now. We left all that slavery and everything else and bondage. And it says, however, the people living in the land are strong. And the cities are large and fortified. And we also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and, Moses and said, Let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. Do you remember three weeks ago when we said that God said they won't enter in our rest and he left them in the wilderness for 40 years except for two people? Two people got out of the 40 years, everybody else died. It was Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb survived the 40 years and were able to go into the land of Canaan. Well, look, it's Caleb that said, let's go. Let's go, we got this thing. But the, but the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they're stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land that they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers and we must have seen the same to them. They're literally saying, there's giants in this land. 
They're huge people. There is no way we're taking that land from them. It's not going to happen. They couldn't enter the land of Canaan rest because they wouldn't enter into Canaan. Like, God said, I give you this rest. I'm going to give you stuff to eat. You don't have to worry about clothing. You don't have to worry about anything. I'll take care of you. This is the Canaan rest. If if you just enter into to Canaan. And the problem was, here, here's the issue. Think about this. Don't just think it's about them. But they couldn't overcome their thoughts of defeating the enemy. They went, saw, got scared, fear entered in. They had all these thoughts. I can't, I can't do Murph. <laughs> the thoughts, the thoughts, and they don't stop. They don't stop. Overcoming the enemy. Your thoughts about whatever your enemy is. I don't know there's enemies in this room right now. Whatever your enemy is, they're like giants to you. And I ask you the question, in this situation right here, who's responsible for overcoming the giants? It wasn't Joshua and Caleb, I'll tell you that much. I go back and look at Exodus chapter 23, which is before the numbers, the one we just read about their fear and about their thoughts of going in there. But look what God said to them before all this. He's like, I'm going to send an angel before you to protect you on the way and bring you to the place I have prepared. Be attentive to him and listen to him. Do not defy him because he will not forgive your acts of rebellion for my name is in him. But if you will carefully obey him and do everything I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. For my angel will go before you and bring to the land of the Amorites, the Hettites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. So before they sent spies, God said, hey, I'm going to send an angel and I'm going to take care of all this for you. But they, in their own strength, sent their spies, had fear, attack them, and come back and say, we can't do this. It's too big. Wait, what did God say? It's like, it's not your responsibility, this is mine. I'll take care of your giants. You always quit trying. Because you can't do it. (laughs) They are bigger than you. But I'll do it for you. But they wouldn't listen. Their Their only problem, their only problem was their unbelief. And I I promise you that you can never, ever over experience Canaan rest without experiencing some kind of war. I, I got I got men and women all over this room right here will tell you if you if you go into a study to figure out your identity in Christ such as the Roman study you better prepare yourself for a battle 
it it's coming i promise you i ha- i ha- i haven't i haven't seen anybody just like skip through this study and and i'm talking the attack comes through your family it comes through your friends it comes through your work it comes through it's a battle it's a battle it's it, i'm not saying it's going to be easy I'm telling you right now, if you get into Canaan rest and you can figure that thing out, you're you're entering a battle. They were going to enter a battle. But again, who's responsible for winning the battle? Not you. Not you. Verse 4, it says, For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way, and on the seventh day God rested from all of his works. I go back to Genesis 2.2. 2. It says, On the seventh day... God had completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. <laughs> the, the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis taught in those days that since no evening was associated with the seventh day of creation, unlike the other six days of creation, that God's rest continues throughout eternity. I, I kind of believe the same thing. I, I believe that God created and he set everything into motion. And at that time, he knew I was going to be sitting right here today. At that time, he knew every decision that I was going to make in my life. And his sovereignty, his sovereignty somehow played into that effect, but he put it into effect a long time ago. And he's literally resting at this point. And you go, well, surely God can intervene. Yeah, he can intervene, but he intervened, I think, way back then during creation. I I know that's deep and that's like... But he's, he's resting, and he's literally telling us to rest in him. Whatever God did for the kingdom today, sitting right here, it occurred in that situation where he created the foundation of the world. That's crazy to think about. But, but you and I, we're on this timeline. You know, I'm born in the 60s, and I'm going to die somewhere later, and there's this timeline. But for God, you know, he's present in every moment and every second. There is no timeline for him. He sees it all in the present. And he's literally saying, Rusty, you, you can enter into this rest today. When Jesus says, it's finished, he meant it. He meant it. He wasn't playing around. It's like, it's finished. I got this. Let me do this for you. I'll, I'll breathe for you. I know you make some bad decisions. I know you get into some pretty bad situations. I got this. I'm bigger than your giants. In verse 5, or excuse me, verse 5 says, again, in that passage, he says, they will never enter my rest. There's this, this is third rest that we talked about a few weeks ago. It's the Sabbath rest. It's that Sabbath rest. For those that have 
receive Christ and the Messiah and you go into this spiritual maturity of just walking with him and knowing him. Verse 6, it says, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience. Remember, this is not about salvation. This is about experiencing life. But, but here's, here, here's where it hit me. And those who formerly received the good news did not enter in because of disobedience. The reason they didn't enter in is because of the leadership. The men that went and checked things out, the leaders, and they came back and said, no, you can't do this. And everybody else followed the leaders. And, and so what I, I'm saying to you is, if, I, if I'm the teacher here today, and I can't live in Sabbath rest, I'm not going to be able to lead you into Sabbath rest. Which seems like pressure for me, but it's not. It's not. One, I'm not responsible for your spiritual maturity. I'm not responsible for your spiritual... Oh, I wish I was. But the leaders couldn't enter into Canaan rest, so neither could the followers. We, and I'm not just talking about me, but there's plenty of men and women in here who are leaders. And we hopefully at times model for you what Sabbath rest is. In verse 7 he says, he again specifies a certain day. Watch, look what it says. Today, <laughs> today, it has always been available. He again sat, specifies a certain day today. He specified this speaking through David after such a long time. And this is confirmation that God's word is written by men and inspired by men right here. This speaking through David, God spoke through David. We just read Psalm 95. God spoke through David. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you're a saint and you're holy, righteous, and redeemed, this is good news that you hear his voice. And I know you hear I know you're hearing other voices too. The enemy speaks sometimes even louder than the spirit speaks. And you go, Oh, which voice am I hearing? Which voice do I listen to? Which voice do I obey? I'm I'm telling you right now, you have to know his voice. You have to know God. Because the evil one, he's going he's gonna to look really, really good. It says in the scripture that he comes as an angel of light. That he's a deceiver. It's like he's using AI in the voice of God. That's what he does. He's the first one to use it. He did it with Eve in the garden. He misquoted God. And he's doing it with us today. But the good news is, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Man, if God, and we do it sometimes, we hear clearly what God's telling us to do, yet we still, darn it, choose to act in our own strength. 
It says, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There was another day coming for those Israelites that had just escaped Egypt. The Sabbath rest has always been available, even in the Old Covenant, because David rested in it. But these, this generation, never got to experience. But here's the the great verse, verse number 9. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. It's not about duty. It's not about my responsibility as a Christian. I'm just supposed to chill out. Now you sit there and go, okay, that means he doesn't have to do anything. You're, that, that doesn't mean anything at all. It just means I'm chilling out from me trying to make things happen. I'm trusting God and he's going to work through me, which means I end up physically doing things and mentally doing things and emotionally doing things because he's doing it through me. And the more I figure out this Sabbath rest, the crazier it gets the conversations that I get into. And it's about the Sabbath rest. Know him. You have to know God's heart. Know God's heart. Well, what Christ did on the cross was absolutely complete. And we are capable of resting of our own works if we just know him and hear his voice. Verse 10, it says, For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works just as God did from his. Take the pressure off. You're a good person. It's not based upon what you do. It's based upon who you are in him. You're holy. You're righteous. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. You're a child of God. And you have the ability to live the daily life with God doing it through you. My friends, that in itself is the good news. Now now watch. Let us then, <laughs> he says, for the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works just as God did for him, from his. But then he says, let us then make every effort. <laughs> rest, rest. But make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Effort, here's the effort. Stop doing things. That's the effort. And, and that is effort for us because we want to fix everything. We know best what's good for us and he's just like, just stop. Make every effort to quit. Just sit at his feet and know the creator. If you're going to make every effort, just sit there the song was perfect this morning just sit with you a while it says for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit joints and marrow it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart I believe God's word is active very active and able to change how we view things and as I get older, the things that I learned when I was 10, the things that I learned that I was 20 in seminary, the things that I learned when I was 30 in teaching, 
have changed. Have changed. And to this day, I, I still evolve in my thinking and my processing. I want to be a learner of God and to know more about God. And his word reveals that to me. His spirit reveals that to me through his word. I've had so many people telling me about choices that I need to make even in the last week. Yet, I have to look and go, well, have they pursued the heart of God? And you can actually actually tell the difference in men and women who are pursuing the word of God versus those who are just giving you advice and opinions. Trust me. If you know the heart of God, you hear his voice. I hear it through my family. I hear it through my friends. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom he must, we must give an account. I know people are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. I know it. And I don't look at them for what they're doing. Because I, God knows their heart better than I do. And it, it is about our hearts. He knows the things that we do in our strength versus his strength. I, I can't pass judgment. I'm not responsible for passing judgment. In my head, you know, things are going through, and I'm like, no, no, I'm not going there. I, you know, I'm taking, we're up to 71 people going to camp in three or four weeks, and um, I got a lot of issues on that bus. <laughs> Just telling you. And I'm assuming that God's taking us all there for a reason. I don't know what it is. I know I'm going to teach truth, uh, and I'm just going to trust him for that week. Now, we get to the last three, last three verses. This is awesome. This is important. This is some of the best stuff right here. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. What's our confession? It's not confession of sin. It's confession that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is a good God. He's a great God. And the good news is that since we have this great high priest, remember, this is a group of people in this letter. I I know we've gone back to the Israelites and everything else, but this letter is in the New Covenant and it's New Testament and it's believers that believe that Jesus is the Messiah, yet they're being pressured by the Jews to go back to the temple and do this sacrifice, these animal sacrifices, so that their sins can be covered. And this writer of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 Jesus took care of that on the cross. His blood was poured out. His blood is greater than the blood of bulls and goats. His not only covers sin, but it forgives sins, and it takes it away. All sin, past, present, future, all the way from Adam all the way to the end of, the, end of time. He covers all the sin and forgives sin. This is the high priest. He's the high priest. He's the one that forgives sins. Now watch. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was in heaven with God in the spirit. And they decided he would come to earth in bodily form. Like he took on an earth suit just like you and I have. We have these earth suits that we live in. They're temporary. They're going back into the grave. They're going to be turned into worm food, all that stuff. This is temporary. Jesus came and he put that earth suit on and limited himself in that earth suit. And he cried. He experienced pain, physical pain. He experienced grief when he lost his friends. His dad, we don't even know what happened to Joseph. He, he experienced earth and then he was, here it is, he was tempted. He went into the desert and he was tempted. He, that power of sin that we talk about that goes on up here that always causing us like trouble, like thinking about stupid things, he experienced that. Like the, the evil one was always constantly telling him, don't go to the cross, do this, do that. So I have a savior. I have a, the Messiah who has literally come here on earth and experienced what I experienced. That, that's amazing to me. You check all the other religions. <laughs> but I have a, a, a savior that literally walked this earth, dealt with physical pain, emotion, and temptation and he did it perfectly he underst- he understands what living in a fallen world is by dealing with pain and sorrow that speaks a lot to me and then the last verse therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness <laughs> i i mm. Let us approach the throne of grace. Grace is this daily living, remember. It's the desire and the, not only the desire, but the power to do God's will on a daily basis. What's God's will for your life? I'm telling you right now. It's not where you go to college. It's about walking by the Spirit. That's God's will for your life. It's the same thing for my life. God's will for your life is to walk by His Spirit. And he gives me the ability to do that every day, walk by his spirit, walk by, or I walk by my flesh, which is sin. That's the only sin that I ever do. Oh, for you, you kids that were there Thursday night, I just gave you one of the answers to your question. I said I wasn't going to answer until I got to camp. But I only, I only do one sin. It's the only sin that I do, and that's walk by my flesh, walk by my own strength. It looks different every day, but uh, that's all I do. And, and I have the ability to walk by His Spirit. I choose to do that more often than not. And Jesus is serving as my high priest. But watch, it says, come to the throne of grace with boldness. I, I'm not, I, don't, I, I don't consider myself arrogant 
But when I have God on my side and the holy living God inside of me and he's made me perfect, he's made me righteous, he's made me holy, he's made me all the, I walk with my head pretty high. Not because of what I have done, but because of what he has done in me and what he has made me. And that's who I am. Yeah, sometimes I blow it. I say the wrong thing. I stick my foot in my mouth. I make some bad choices. And I'm kind of like, but I have to remind myself I'm good. <laughs> only by grace, only by grace do I walk in God's strength. When I first learned this, I had to remind myself constantly. I even had to like make shoes that said Sabbath rest. So every step that I took is not me doing it. It's him doing it. And I I don't get it. I don't get the adventure. I hung out with my uncle all week going to baseball games and the first time that we really had a conversation about Jesus. 71 years old he is. And it was deep. And it was good. And he's like, that's the first time I've heard that. Not about Jesus, but just about this. Just about walking by the Spirit. Seeing men set free. I'm going uh, this week end next weekend I won't be here next Sunday uh, Matt Tully will be here but I'm going away uh, with 15 other guys and doing a men's retreat yeah I know I'm going to rough it it's in Montana uh, but just to sit around the cabin and have conversations with godly men I'm so looking forward to Friend, dear friends and we're all just going to be together and I would have never imagined that 20 years ago. But Sabbath rest takes you to this place where you have never expected. When you figure out Sabbath rest, which he's invited us into, he's invited us to walk, walk, just walk with me, just walk with me. Amazing things happen. I'm expecting amazing things at camp in a few weeks. I really am. I don't know what's in store. I'm hoping to see some sunsets. I'm hoping to have some great conversations. Eat some frozen pizza. And just hang out with God and people. So Lord, uh, may we figure this thing out. May you... May you mature us you're responsible for that you're responsible for giving us faith for giving us the ability the grace I pray for uh, encouragement to overcome enemies the thoughts that go through our head that we can overcome those thoughts of the enemy would you do that I trust you with that and that we can just chill out and trust you to breathe for us this week. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.